Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Michael Bratton of that SEC podcast. And Mike, it's been a minute, though. Appreciate you joining us. How are you doing this afternoon? Oh, I'm doing great. SEC football right around the corner. Yeah, that's right. I mean, what do you mean right around the corner? It's right here, right? We got Vanderbilt's coming up this weekend, man. You got the big matchup between the, the Commodores and the Warriors of Hawaii. I know. I mean, it's, <laughs> that would not normally be a game I'd be excited about, but uh, heck yeah. I mean, I'm going to be a couple beers deep, and I'm going to have a great time watching that one. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about just uh, looking at uh, the games this weekend, and it's nice to have an SEC game happening this weekend, too, but uh, well, I've been thinking about uh, Vanderbilt just in general. They had, they had some nice wins, or at least a win last year against uh, Florida, which was big, and I know that it's always, ah, it's just Vanderbilt, but they, they they could be a team that at least makes other people's seasons terrible. Like may, They may not have a great season, but they could ruin somebody else's season this year. Yeah, no doubt. And um, I mean, all four non-conference games are winnable for Vanderbilt, and they're right out the gate. So, uh, if they can match what they did in the SEC last year, and that's just two wins. They'll go to a bowl game, and they probably should have beat Missouri too. They were they lost by three to Missouri, so uh, I would not be surprised at all if Missouri advances to a bowl game this fall. So, uh, so with Vandy in general, there's some growth with them. So you see them being a little bit better this year overall. Well, where they've got to really take a step up is on defense. They've been just god-awful both years under Clark Lee. And, you know, I assume that's what we were getting when we hired a defensive coordinator to be our head coach. But, obviously, I think that says more about the, the players he inherited. We're, we're just – the roster was in such a bad shape that, uh, you know, they were never going to turn it around overnight. But they've got a quarterback, A.J. Swan, who's pretty solid. He's a true freshman last year and played up at – he started against Alabama, Georgia, and Ole Miss when Ole Miss was undefeated and in the top ten. And, uh, you know, he didn't embarrass himself by any means. So, year two for A.J. Swan. They've got some good receivers. Uh, and as long, like I said, the defense, they've got to take some strides. If they do, I, I'm pretty confident they're going to be a bowl team. So, just looking at the uh, first week in general, I know we're looking at week zero, but week one, all the games and some of the ones that the SEC teams are going to be involved in just – uh, what do you make of those matchups themselves, and is there one particular game and matchup that you're you're looking at and looking forward to the most in Week One for SEC teams? Well, for me, there's really two. There's uh, Florida at Utah. I think that's going to tell us a lot about Florida, and if they can secure a win there, I think they're going to surprise a lot of people at, at least early in the season. Uh, if they drop that one, I think. I don't know. I mean, I, I hate to put so much importance on one game on the road, but I just, man, if, if you can't beat a team like that, I don't know. So Florida at Utah Thursday, that's going to be, be a big one. And then the other one I have circled is uh, South Carolina, North Carolina in Charlotte. That's actually the Saturday night game, ESPN College game day. And the Gamecocks have such a difficult schedule the first five weeks of the season. It's basically a must-win there as well because they they go to Georgia three weeks later, Mississippi State at home the following week, and at Tennessee. It's just hard for me to believe they're going to win any more than one of those games if they can't beat North Carolina on the neutral field. What are you most looking forward to? Uh, of course, we're going to have to wait a week. We'll get a taste of it this weekend, but as far as SEC play coming up the following week, what are you looking forward to? 
Uh, you're talking about it in the first week of the, week one. Yes. Um. Well, I want to see if Tennessee wins by fifty or sixty uh, hmm. against Virginia. That's going to be pretty exciting. Yeah, I, I, I can't wait to see. <laughs> I can't wait to see KJ in Dan Eno's system. Uh, Rocket Sanders. Uh, I want to see. You know, I, I wouldn't imagine they're going to go too heavy in the opener against Western Carolina, I believe. But, uh, you know, things like that intrigue me. Uh, I think uh, Junkins, I, I, I think all season long it's going to be what does Junkins do, what does Rocket Sanders do, because I think they're going to be battling for the rushing title all week long. And, and I realize the first week of the season it's not going to tell us much based on the opponents they're playing, but I'm pretty excited about that. LSU-Florida State, I mean, that's going to be a massive game. Sunday night, uh, and, and I don't think it really dictates how far LSU can go if they lose that game, but I don't anticipate they do because I, I think Florida State is very suspect. I think they're very overrated. You know what, Mike? We went to the season last year saying the same thing, though. Everybody kind of overlooked Florida State, and they came away with a win, even though it was a close game and LSU should have won. Yeah. Well, that's true, and they looked pretty good, but I mean, even Florida, which was not playing that well at the end of last season. I mean, Florida nearly knocked Florida State off. I believe in the bowl game, they barely beat Oklahoma, which had a down year. But, yeah, I, mean, I just don't respect the teams outside the SEC. I will be completely honest with you. So that, that, that's part of the reason I'm down on Florida State. But I would love to, to see this hype train get derailed early in the season. Not a home game, but it is in Orlando. I have to imagine there's going to be more Florida State fans and LSU fans. And and LSU's my pick to win it all, so I, I kind of need them to win that game. Got to love the honesty. Yeah, at least we uh, get down to the core concept there, too. But uh, but that's what makes it exciting and just knowing what the, the rest of the SEC is is really all about. In fact, uh, I saw a discussion being had about, you know, in the SEC East, you think about teams like uh, Missouri and Kentucky, for instance. You know, Missouri, uh, they haven't had a winning season under Eli Drinkwitz just yet, but people are thinking that they got some momentum going. And then you think about a team like Kentucky with Mark Stoops has been kind of a a big consistent for being a bowl-eligible team. Sometimes it's one as many nine or uh, six games, whatever it may be. But those are two teams I think it's going to be pretty fascinating coming out of the East of uh, both – I don't say both of them have pressure, but both of them always have some expectations to go along with it and maybe expecting some improvement this season too. Yeah, and uh, I'm glad you said that, John, because I think Mark Stoops, believe it or not, I, there's no one talking about this besides me, but I think he is – you reference pressure, and, and I would agree. I don't think he's facing pressure right this minute. But once again, a lot of people hyping up Kentucky, and I, I'm one of them. I think they could win 10 games if we're including the bowl game this season. I think they could be much improved, and I was down on them last year. I said Will Levis was overrated and all this, so I think I was vindicated on that one. But what happens if Kentucky wins seven games again? And I realize – Ten years ago, when Mark Stoops got there, seven games, that was that would be celebrated. But I don't think the fans are going to be happy with that. And and I don't know if that's fair or not, but I think it, it is kind of fair to question if Mark Stoops has hit a ceiling in Lexington. And maybe they think they can do better. And, and I'm not for sure that they can. But again, if they're hyped up once again and they win seven games, I don't think that fan base is going to be happy. So... Uh, I think there will be some questions on, on what is the ceiling with Mark Stoops. So, so let me ask you that because I think it's fascinating. At a place like Kentucky, which, uh, you know, it's basketball school. There's, there's no question about it. 
And Mark Stoops has done a really great job of providing that consistency. Like, what is a ceiling for a program like Kentucky, knowing that it's going to be second fiddle to the basketball program more often than not, uh, knowing that's in an SEC East or just oh, in the SEC because we know divisions are going away. But uh, if they can, if they get tired or get want to do something different from Mark Stoops, what's really their ceiling and an expectation that's realistic at Kentucky? Well, I think with Texas and Oklahoma coming to the league, I, I think we've already started to see it. And already the SEC is so much further ahead than any conference, even the Big Ten, in my opinion. And I know I was joking before about not respecting the others, but it's true. And I think with Texas and Oklahoma coming in, I think that just adds to the SEC value. And I think it adds to wins you're going to see on the recruiting trail and NIL and coaching and all this. So, I don't know. I mean, I think the sky is the limit. Not to say that Kentucky can be like the next Alabama or something, but I think they could do a lot of – I mean, the facilities up there are, are pretty solid. Uh, the, the season tickets are sold out. I mean, those people are all in on football. This is the SEC, man. You should be doing more than seven wins in year 10, in my opinion. Now, again, I, that's not where it was when he took it over. Let's Let's credit Mark Stoops for what he's accomplished, but – if we keep having all this hype and we're not delivering, you know, he's got two excellent coordinators in Liam Cohen and Brad White. I wonder if one of those guys may not be the next head coach at Kentucky if Mark Stoops can't get it done. Because the defense is one of the most underrated in the entire conference. I don't think anybody really pays attention to Kentucky's defense. And I think Liam Cohen was just instrumental two years ago in getting that offense to play at a, at a high level to – to where they won 10 games. So, in being down on Will Levis, uh, Mike, are you in the frame of mind that they are better at quarterback now with Devin Leary? Oh, absolutely. And I don't know where all that Will Levis hype really came from. Aside from there was one article and it was like a sentence saying, Will Levis, my number one overall pick in the NFL draft. And there was no analysis, no nothing, but everybody ran with that. I get it. He likes mayonnaise in his coffee and he eats bananas weird, but that was about all the hype for, for Will Levis, whereas Devin Leary, which I know he did it in the ACC at NC State, but I went back and watched him play against Florida State and Clemson and, and teams of that nature, and and he did not hold them back. He was a solid player. And two years ago, he was legitimately probably a top-ten quarterback in the country, and I think he's going to have significantly better receivers and a better running back now at Kentucky they got to get that offensive line fixed. They were just dreadful on the offensive line last season, which is so weird because that's, that's been the DNA of Mark Stoops' program is having a good offensive line, running the ball, and not having a quarterback and receivers. Now, now it's kind of the inverse. But if they can get that offensive line going and they brought in some transfers, I think uh, that, that's a big reason why I'm so high on Kentucky. Hey, listen, it worked for Russell Wilson coming from NC State into another major conference. I don't see why he can't be Russell Wilson 2.0 for Kentucky. I mean, that seems to have the math adding up. But you brought up an interesting point there, Mike, of uh, you know being better at the quarterback position for Kentucky this year after replacing their previous guy. How many schools or at least how many teams do you feel confident in this year that have a new starting quarterback that are for sure better at quarterback than what they were a year ago? Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Uh, I mean, off the top of my head, I mean, do, are we counting like Connor Wigman as a, as a new quarterback or no? Because he's up there. Yeah, I mean, just anybody that has a, d- a different starting quarterback from last year and is a better situation. 
I would say Kentucky that tops that list. Texas A&M, Connor Wigman, uh, Auburn with Peyton Thorne. I would throw them up there. Uh, those are kind of the ones that stand out, unless I'm forgetting it. I mean, there, there are several guys that have, like a Carson Beck or a Joe Milton that, are, that were there, that I don't think those are upgrades. But I think they're going to be confident quarterbacks. But I think that's the thing. People look at it. There's a lot of turnover at, at quarterback in the FTC, and they, they think the league is down at quarterback. I'm, I'm not among that. I mean, there's not many superstars short of maybe K.J. Jefferson, maybe Jane Daniels, which I, I don't think Jane Daniels is right now, but I think he could be at the end of the season. There may not be a lot of superstar quarterbacks, but I, I think the league eight, nine quarterbacks deep in very, very solid guys. And Spencer Rattler could be in that group as well. He's just lacking consistency. Uh, he, he's another one to keep your eye on. I'm kind of down on him, but by all reports, he's, he's on fire in camp. Now, everybody's on fire in camp. You know what? So <laughs> the live bullets start flying. <laughs> So what do you think about Carson Beck overall at Georgia, surrounded by talent, and he is replacing Stetson Bennett, who a lot of people don't give credit to for being as good as he was, but now you're going to have the next guy that comes in to try to lead Georgia to another national championship, and that's big shoes to fill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's a huge question. and I have been one that doubted Stetson Bennett his entire career, so take what I say you know, with a grain of salt, I, so maybe I'm just not very plugged in on, on what they're doing at Georgia, even though every year, including last, you know, his final year, they tried to get a transfer quarterback to come in there and unseat him. But I think the number one thing you can say about Stetson Bennett is he was just clutch. He was clutch in a big-time moment. And I don't think there's any way Carson Beck could be as clutch as, as Stetson Bennett was the last two years in some pivotal moments. So, and he's certainly not as mobile either. Now, he's probably got a better arm. So, I mean, he's got his pluses as well. Uh, but that seems like a drop-off. Georgia just had an injury to a running back. Their, their running back room is, I don't want to call it suspect, but I don't think it's quite as good as it has been in years past. I was just looking this up, and I, I can't believe I didn't really realize this till recently, but they only have two seniors on the defense. Now, I, 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 think, I still think their defense could be out of this world, but two, I should say two senior starters. There, there might be a little bit of a leadership void with Georgia. And, again, I'm just kind of picking apart the, the very little things I can find wrong with them because they, they should be number one. They should be the favorite to win it all. I don't think they will, but it would not surprise me at all if they do win a third national championship in a row. So, Mike, I, I want to ask you, we just got a few minutes left with you. Have you had a chance to check out Swamp Kings just yet? I mean, I like the fact that they're calling it untold because that's what it is. You know, <laughs> it's the Urban Myers version of what happened without getting into the juicy details. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I watched. I I couldn't finish it. At least I, I will at some point. And if you're a Florida fan, you love it. I get it. I mean, it's it's just an ode to those championship teams. But I just don't see how you can call out a documentary when everybody knows what went went on there and how wild it was and just I mean they just omitted so many things and and that that doesn't mean it needed to be a hit piece but I think you you tell the truth and you tell all, the whole side to everything and and they just they just steered away from all of that so it needed to have another name 
possibly or be on a different platform since everything is skewed towards <laughs> Urban Meyer? Is that what you're saying? I mean, they should have called it Urban Meyer's looking for a new job or something like that. Because, I mean, it made him look great. And, I mean, we all know he's a scumbag, and he'll probably be the next Texas A&M coach in about nine months and and more power to him. But, uh, I, I mean, I'm not a fan of his at all. Yeah, well, I think, like, he, it's weird because there's so many successful coaches that have been, especially in college sports, especially in college football, that have, you know, people, whether they like or didn't like or however, but he's kind of an interesting combo where not only was he a really good coach and won two national two national championships of Florida and then one at Ohio State, like not many people have been able to do that, but there is not really one redeeming quality as far as a personality or off the field or anything that I feel like anyone comes up with, which is just so strange because usually successful college football coaches, for all the intents and purposes, have some sort of redeeming thing about them. Right, and, and I think the the best line in that whole show comes from Paul Feinbaum, and and he says something to the effect of, you know, every coach turns a blind eye to something. And we, we can't be naive on that. But they all have a limit to where, you know, we can't overlook this. And Urban Meyer just does not have that. I mean, he will overlook anything, <laughs> and it just it kind of throws – uh, it, it just it, it just paints the whole picture in in a negative because there there is nothing he would overlook, and I, we could say that about multiple stops everywhere he's been is a disaster. Even the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, that one uh, didn't not work out very well. Uh, he could probably get away with some of the college antics, but man, it, it's it's wild to hear a lot of these stories coming out and then seeing some of the quotes that he had and. Because Ohio State, what was the what was his assistant coach's name? Zach Smith. Zach Smith and that whole thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, yep. it just you can't make it up. That's why I was really hoping that it was going to be more of a true, real, raw thing. But nope. Just like as you said, it was more about hey, remember this? How great it was and how awesome it was. Yep, those were great times. Didn't really do anything uh, for me. At least I haven't finished it yet either, Mike. But. For me, it hasn't done anything and anything significant. But either way, hey, man, we're up against it, but we appreciate it as always. Michael Bratton of That SEC Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Michael W. Bratton. Appreciate you joining us, man, and have fun this weekend. And looking forward to talking some real college football with you here soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys.